Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, April the 29th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year C and the third Sunday of Easter. And on the Friday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. And when you know it, I made a, another error last week. I actually shared this week's and vice versa. So I'm actually going to share from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. So this is last week's gospel reading. Since we covered this week's last week, I will cover it today. So let me read that passage, write a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together and locked the doors of the place because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. After this, he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, then they are retained. Now Thomas, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the wounds from the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the wounds from the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. Eight days later, the disciples were again together in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and examine my hands. Extend your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue in your unbelief, but believe. Thomas replied to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You have believed because you have seen. Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but they are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for us. You'll recall that the first part of John's gospel are these seven signs that Jesus does, these seven miracles. Starts with the wedding in Cana when he changes the water into wine, and then it goes all the way to John chapter 11 where he raises Lazarus from the dead. Those are seven signs which are a fixture of the first half of the gospel. So it's very interesting that at the end of our passage today, in John 20, verse 31, John's got this coda, like this concluding statement, it seems. He says, uh, Now Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples which are not recorded in this book. So John says here that I could have mentioned other things, but I chose the seven that I chose, right? And this seems like it's rounding off the story uh, here in John chapter 20, verse 31. So we're surprised that uh, Jesus appears again to his disciples in John chapter 21. And there's a couple more stories there. And you'll notice that at the end of that chapter that once again there's like some closing remarks so it has led many scholars to suggest that maybe there's two different endings of john one that ends here in john chapter 20 verse 31 
then some extra content in 21. And so that needs to be ended again. But we just know that in Jesus and his post-resurrection activity, he's going from place to place and he's had like this restoration tour, right? So he appears to his disciples and you'll notice, and I notice in verse 19, the very first thing that he says to them when he enters into the room, once again, like through a locked door, like appearing in the middle of the room in a body, he says, peace be with you. Now this is striking. This could have been a moment where Jesus could have gone to his followers and he could have arraigned them for leaving him abandoned in a time when he needed him the most, right? He could have uh, retaliated. He could have read them the riot act. He could have brought accusation towards them, but he decides instead to give them the sign and the affirmation of peace. You'll notice that at the very end of that conversation, that um, he's, he gives him a commission. This is a, a very abbreviated form of the Great Commission. He says, just as the Father has sent me, I send you. Um, missional theologians um, such as Bosch and Daryl Guter and others have said, this is proof that God is a missionary God. So God sent his son, second person of the Trinity, into the world. And therefore, as followers of Jesus, the, the very nature of who we are is to be sent, it's to be on mission. So God is not stationary. He doesn't sit in an outpost wanting us to do his bidding and bring work back to him. But God's actually went out there in the field with us. And that's one of the hallmarks of missional Christianity is that um, God is already at work in the world that we don't have to make God turn up. But in every zip code where we find ourselves, God is already at work. And so the governing task of the church is not to make something up, uh, make something out of nothing, but it is really to join in what God is already doing in the world. Then our passage continues where Jesus appears to Thomas. Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus appears to them in the story beforehand. So eight days later, which aren't you so glad that John keeps accurate account of days at this point, Jesus appears to him. And you'll notice, and I notice once again in verse 26, that when Jesus appears to Thomas and to the rest of the disciples, he said, peace be with you. Jesus is not peaceful at the beginning and then vindictive. And retributive at the end. No, he's he's peaceful. He's restorative. He wants to restore his friends so they can be in cooperation with him in his work. And so Jesus comes to Thomas. He allows him to in- investigate his wounds. And as he does so, Jesus gives him this commission. You know, to stop your unbelieving, stop your doubting and believe in me. And Thomas replies, my Lord and my God. So N.T. Wright and other New Testament scholars find this confession striking because Never before Thomas has someone looked at God and said, my Lord and my God, in that formulaic confession. And this may be one of the first, it's probably the briefest, Christian confession in church history. So when we look at Jesus, we ascribe to him these titles. My Lord, my God, you are the one who controls the world and you are the God who created all things. So in a creational monotheistic religion, which is the classification of the Jewish religion, Christian religion that comes springs forth from Judaism. We believe that the Creator God is also the Lord of the world, and we worship that God alone. So many things to, to, to um, consider here. Number one, Jesus is restoring, and He restores by extending peace and not retribution. That He breathes upon the church the Holy Spirit. That they confer the very life and forgiveness, the confession of the forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins of God on people. That God, in his very nature, is a missionary God. He's sent. He's already out there doing stuff in the world. God's busy. He's not far off and uh, waiting for us to bring work back to him. No, he is already at work in the world, so we join him in it. And God extends to the furthest way he can in order to restore his people 
back into relationships. So all these things are kind of swirling around. These really do, if you kind of look at that list, these operate like some of the foundational things, foundational functional truths of the Christian life. We're on mission with God, with the message of forgiveness, seeking to work with restoration and mind and extend and further in order for people to be included into the family of God. So with these things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the sent God, that you're the God who forgives and restores, who shares a mission with your people, and you reach and reach, you include and you include. You're the God of rich grace and mercy. And so, Lord, this day as we uh, allow this morning to arise, allow our souls to rise to you this morning, and we see this day unfold before us, we confess to you that we need your help uh, because we often have a closed vision of our life and what's possible so we pray that you would open up our minds and open up the opportunities and uh, stoke our imaginations with wonder about what you can do today because it's, it's brimming with potential. So we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of friendship, for the gift of the school that we attend and the job that we have and the people that we share it with. We pray, God, that you would make much of this day and, and us and our lives before you in this day. So we pray that we'd see Jesus raised and high and lifted up, the one Lord of the world. We pray that as we notice you as the sent God who's already at work in the world, that as we join with you, that we'd be richly blessed as we do so. So God set us apart today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.